today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Auditor General Bonnie Lissick has uh, issued her report about Ontario's uh, handling of the COVID-19 crisis. Now, Auditor General reports are generally uh, not good news for any sitting government, but this is a crisis situation. And uh, we've had Ms. Lissick on the show many times, and uh, she's very analytical, her, she and her staff, about what's going on. And uh, this is this is uh, not a, <laughs> an endearing report. Uh, it puts the government, and uh, specifically Dr. David Williams, in a pretty bad light. Uh, got a couple of different angles on this. First of all, so pleased to welcome back to the program Travis Danraj, who is the Global News Queen's Park Bureau Chief. Travis, a busy day for you. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Uh, the star of this report is Dr. David Williams, and uh, it's not something I guess he's going to be proud of. Listen, this is this is very bad news for the government, uh, and you know it's just an indication that the the minister came out early first before Bonnie Lissick. That press conference just kind of sprung on the press gallery because they wanted to get out in front of this as early as they could. Bonnie Lissick is set to have a news conference in about 10 minutes or so here to kind of go through some of the recommendations in her report. And you're right, Dr. Williams, basically, who was supposed to be leading the province when it comes to handling COVID-19 and shepherding us through this pandemic with his medical advice, essentially, Bonnie Lissick is saying he wasn't doing that. He wasn't leading it. Uh, and, and who was leading us? Well, the report finds essentially politicians were and medical experts kind of got pushed to the background. And this dovetails into the reporting you've been giving over the last little while about a lot of criticism, uh, some of it overt, some of it uh, not so subtle, about uh, about Dr. Williams from some of the folks that are very concerned about the mixed messaging and, and things of this nature. And a lot of people are saying, oh, come on, you're being too hard on the guy. Uh, but Bonnie Lissick really underscores a lot of what you guys have been talking about for the last couple of days. Absolutely. And, and she calls into question whether or not, you know, he should be leading the 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 pandemic um moving forward you know this is a a quote that i I had in my report there but you know the auditor says the government should immediately assess the role and strength of the chief medical officer of health to lead ontario's response in addressing subsequent waves of COVID 19. now the health minister says she has full confidence in dr williams that he is going to be uh, a crucial part of uh, the handling of the second wave as he has been with the first wave and essentially she also said that this report, uh, large portions of it, are basically fake news. She says that she was disappointed in it and that she talked to Bonnie Lissick and expressed that disappointment and says that this is a mischaracterization of the government's handling of the pandemic thus far. Yeah, but Travis, you've been following this. You've been talking to Dr. Williams. You've been going to these daily briefings. We're listening to them anyway, of course, virtually. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that you have been talking about, and we've had other folks on that have been very concerned about this, uh, phrases in, in Ms. Lissick's report like slower and more reactive than proactive, uh, failed to act on key lessons identified. There was a theme here, and this is not just the last couple of days. This has been going on since March. It certainly has. And, and you know, one of the big uh uh, points that the Auditor General makes in this is that, you know, the, the PCs did not inherit a, a good system when it comes to emergency preparedness, but they did really nothing to fix that system. And she points out that, you know, if another emergency of pandemic proportions were to uh, was to hit the province, then we would not be prepared. And there, there hasn't been much work done on that. You know, another point that she makes, Dr. Williams, who was supposed to be at the head of this command table, 
Well, he wasn't even the chair of it. It was somebody from the political side, and most people on this table are from the political side, that the, the health advice um, did not factor in. We noted, this is a quote, despite COVID-19 being a public health pandemic, we noted that those with public health expertise did not play a leading role in the ministry's response. That quote is very damning. Well, and we saw that in the daily briefings, didn't we? I mean, the odd time where the, the doctor would be on the podium uh, with the premier, uh, invariably the, the comment from Dr. Williams was, uh, yeah, what he said, uh, that's what we're going to do, uh, which is not the kind of leadership I guess we're looking for, and certainly not what Bonnie Lissick was looking for. Well, and, and, and this is another point that she makes, because in other provinces it's done very differently, right? You, you don't see the premier out in front of the cameras as, as much because it's the chief medical officer of health, that is. Now, Dr. Williams does have his 3 p.m. news conferences twice a week or whatever it is, but that really has been overshadowed by the premier's news conferences. And I think, you know, the the decision strategically was made early on in the pandemic by the premier's office to have him for optics or whatever reason they thought, uh, you know, out in front of the cameras every single day. And while that may have worked politically for him, it may have backfired in the end when it comes to this report, because Bonnie Lissick is essentially saying that that, uh, you know, news conference and the premier being out in front overshadowed Williams and essentially neutered his ability to do uh, his job. More to come on this, as you mentioned. I, so Travis, i got to let you go because I know you have to run down and catch up with uh, the uh, Auditor General. Bonnie Lissick will be speaking, and I know that uh, you've got to get that, and we'll be watching for your reporting later on today on Global News. Thanks so much for this today. All right, Bill. Thanks. Take care. Travis Danrush, Global News, Queen's Park Bureau Chief. Uh, echoing the comments and sentiments of an awful lot of people that have been following uh, the government's uh, response and the government's, uh, well, supposed leadership, uh, which the Auditor General brings into question here. I want to bring Richard Brennan back into the conversation. Uh, Richard, of course, covered Queen's Park and Toronto Star uh, for many, many years. And uh, uh, first of all, Badger, thanks for jumping on. Uh, this report, it's it's... Well, I know she wrote the report some time ago, but these are the same crib notes that you had yesterday about David Williams, about the, the inaction, etc. The, the the quote that is going to come back to bite the premier, I think, here is is that the one he made at his daily briefing yesterday. Why would you change dance partners in the middle of a dance, even when he's a, especially if he's a great dancer? Uh, according to Bonnie Lissick, Doctor David Williams needs some uh, some foxtrot lessons. Yeah, he can't even shuffle his feet. <laughs> uh, but you know. This is this is a scathing report, and um, I'm, I'm going to take a, a right down the middle here. I think it is a scathing report, but I don't. There's a lot of people that should wear the blame here. This, you know, the uh, liberals were in power for a lot of years since 2003, and they didn't implement the changes from this SARS uh, SARS report. You know, into in. In, in terms of improving the, uh, you know, the pandemic-related emergency plan. So they didn't do it. And, you know, and this government's been in power for, what, a couple years or so? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and they didn't do it. So, I mean, it, this is really a systemic problem at this point. And it wasn't Just made any you... better by, by Dr. Williams, uh, you know, not being able to, uh, to do his job effectively. And the point, you know, I mean, every like I say, everybody everybody wears it in this one, but they're in the government, and they're going to wear it for sure. 
and I don't understand why they're they're pushing back like they like they are against the auditor. I mean, it, all they have to do is say, look at. You know, we've only been in power for two years, and and the the Liberals were in power for many years, and they didn't do anything. And we accept your recommendations, and we're going to, you know, plow ahead and and implement as many as we can, etc. But no, they've decided to dig their heels in and say, what a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, medical officer health that Williams is, and we're going to proceed as we have been. And that is a complete mistake. I don't know if you heard the conversation I had before the news break here uh, with Kerry uh, Bowman. Kerry uh, is uh, he works at the uh, University of Toronto Clinical Ethicist, and uh, he was at Mount Sinai during the SARS epidemic and, and lived it, breathed it, and everything else. He was quarantined, all this sort of stuff. So, uh, and that was the first thing he told me when I was asking him about this just a few minutes ago. Uh, he said, "You know, we th- supposedly we learned from SARS. You know, there was a playbook that was designed after SARS, uh, but nobody did anything about it. There was no political will. It sat on somebody's desk, and they just figured, well, these pandemic things are once in a lifetime, and that that was ours. It's never going to happen again. I mean, how naive is that? And, and the one strong voice, because I know you covered the SARS thing extensively back in the day." Uh, it was Dr. Bonnie Henry, who was the one that wrote heard over this and was trying to develop policy for the government. Well, she's gone. I mean, she went up to British Columbia, and she's doing an excellent job out there with the government trying to handle uh, the COVID-19 situation. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, the minute she got on a plane and left uh, for B.C., we just kind of forgot everything about it. And that's what I mean. It just, it's appalling. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of, uh, it's the equivalent of, you know, every, if this is a 100-year storm, well, how many times have we heard that in the last two years? That oh well, this is another hundred-year storm. This is another hundred-year storm. Well, the things happen, and things are happening more frequently in terms of pandemics and otherwise. And to think that this government wasn't this government and the previous governments weren't prepared to handle it is is just you know you're just head shaking. One of the recommendations, and this I mentioned this on my commentary this morning, and I was surprised that, that Carrie Bowman talked about this, and, and, and Bonnie Lissick mentions it in this report. After SARS, one of the recommendations to the government was to develop a pharmaceutical manufacturing industry to produce vaccines in this country. Has to be done. How many years ago was that? <laughs> Nothing. Nada, nothing. And the prime minister had to go back in front of the nation yesterday and said, well, we're not going to get the vaccines as fast as we thought because uh, we don't manufacture them here. That should have been done years ago, at least started. You can't do that overnight. It takes a lot of time. But the governments of the day and and subsequent governments never took them up on this. Well, the ramifications are are huge. I mean, you just gave that example where... You know, we've got a prime minister who's going to be going down to the docks with his cap in hand, looking uh, looking for you know uh, vaccines. I mean, it's because we don't have we don't have that ability now to produce them. And you know, we governments. I don't know how many times I've seen reports come out, and they go on the shelf and they collect dust. Some of them, maybe that's a good spot for them, but others like this one wasn't, and. And it's uh, a situation that's arose and arisen now is the fact that we weren't prepared for it, and the government, this government, as a result of many things, given and also the fact that we didn't have an updated plan, they weren't prepared for it, and that was complicated by the fact that we had a, a medical officer of health who wasn't prepared to do his job. So the premier has filled the void, and you know you can argue one way or the other about that. But the point is, we don't we we didn't have somebody there 
steering the boat. And that's and and look what happened. We didn't get with the mass. We weren't warned about that early enough, and uh, you know the shutdowns and all that were, re, uh, were reactive and and not proactive. And it's still it's still happening. It's not nothing has been proactive. It's still reactive. Look, we didn't take the necessary steps as you and I have spoken about a few times about long term care homes, and yeah. look what's happening again. One of the points uh, that she brings out in the report here is something I, I, I remember the session you and I had. It was way back in March, uh, and it was after one of these sessions with Dr. Williams uh, with his own press conference, I guess, uh, and his staff, uh, where he said he didn't think community spread and community transmission was actually happening with COVID-19, uh, despite the fact that there was very strong medical evidence all, all, everywhere that it was. Uh, and he he just refused to believe it. Uh, now, uh, and and that's that is going to be reflected in the government's policies. You know about things like uh, obviously wearing masks and 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 social distancing and things of this nature. You know, had we been more proactive on that and 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 not reactive to this, and we you know the last one to the dance. Uh, who knows what could have happened? How many oh, how many cases could we have avoided if if we'd be, you know been more proactive about stuff like that? It's it's and that's judgment. I mean, there's a lot of culpability by government here. You're absolutely right. But you know, once you put the people in charge and say, okay, this is the premier, this is the medical officer of health, uh, you're up there on the podium. You better know what you're talking about. I thought Bill one of the very uh, telling uh, quotes in, in this. Uh in Bonnie Lissick's report was the chief medical officer of health must be given powers to use his or her expertise free from political interference. And you've got to wonder if that, you know, was the case here, that he was just bowled over by the government, or was it he, was he didn't step up and do his job? That's, I mean, there's so many questions remaining, you know, and, and given the fact that, you know, they're, they're pushing back against, uh, against our report, and, and, and now, you know, saying that, well, he, he's, you know, the, you know, Dr. Williams has made, you know, very, he was very open about what, what's happening, and, and he, would, he would tell you what happened at these tables that, where they talked about what should be done. And the Toronto Star pointed out already in the fact check, no, they didn't. He's never explained what recommendations and and measures came out of that table. And one of the things that uh, that I know that uh, your friends at the Star, Bob Enzi and others, Robert, we're talking about, and Travis Dunrush from Global has talked about this, uh, is those supposed consultations. Uh, all we got was the overview at the end. We never got the the, the structure of it. We never got the the guts of it. In other words, you know, if because there were a number of people that were supposedly being uh, consulted in situations like this, was there any pushback on some of these recommendations and policies? Were there people that were saying, "No, this is dead wrong"? Because we never heard that. All we heard was the premier standing up there and saying, "I've consulted, and this is the way we're going to go." For all we know, it could have been a nine-eight vote, uh, and 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 we, the public, I think, have a right to know that. But that was never forthcoming. Well, you and I spoke the other day that people have a right to know what's going on. Sure. And and, and we've been, you know, kept in the uh, the mushroom factory here. Um, we, we're just not being told en- enough. If look at if you know, we got all the folks now. They're not all the folks. A lot of folks saying, "Well, I don't have to wear a mask and all that." And that. If that hadn't been explained earlier, what you know, what the ramifications of not wearing a mask and the you know necessary to wear a necessity to wear a mask. 
maybe we wouldn't have that that cadre of people who are opposed to it. I'm just speculating, but it, it, it raises so many questions. If things measures had been taken earlier, would we be in the position we are now? And one of the big questions, and not a lot of people want to ask this question, but would more people be alive today if you know if decisions had been made earlier and measures have been taken more quickly? Well, it's it's not even a rhetorical question. I think we all know the answer to this. And like I say, we used the comparator a few minutes ago, but what happened in Australia? And I know that there are people that are listening to, as I explained to some of the restrictions and some of the, 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 the things that were put in place there, would be considered to be draconian. I don't know if it would have worked here, you know, about having actually, you know, having blockades at the end of streets to make sure people didn't leave their neighborhoods and things like that. I, I don't know how much of that's going to be, but uh, your, your point's well taken. Since we were pretty lax about it at the beginning, uh, you know, we didn't crack down. In Australia, they did it and said, this is the way it's going to be. And the prime minister said there was about a 15-minute debate about it, and then it just said, okay, shut up and wear your mask. And everybody was compliant with it, for the most part, anyway. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we're too far down the road for that to happen right now. But you got to ask yourself, I know we've only got about a minute left here, but it, it, this dovetails right into the conversation you and I had the other day. Uh, is Dr. Williams the guy to lead us through this? Because, you know, the Premier is adamant that he wants to extend his contract through until the springtime now. Uh, is that the right move in, in, in light of this report? I think in light of this report, I know that they, the government is, at this point is digging in its heels, but I would not be surprised to see, you know, in a, a kind of a respectful time, that, uh, you know, that Dr. Williams bows out. Take his retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Richard, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this. A lot more to come on this report, obviously, over the next couple of days. We'll talk about this again soon, I'm sure. Take okay. care. Thanks, Bill. Richard Brennan, of course, uh, retired from the Toronto Star, covered Queen's Park for many, many years. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.